Hello, dirtbags, maggots, and deplorables. High Crimes Podcast, Medicine and Politics with Dr. Richard Moss. Thank you. I came across an article in Breitbart in which I learned that there is a bill being promoted in the Indiana State House, Indiana being my state and a very deeply red state, at least superficially, let us say. And the bill is to grant in-state tuition to illegal aliens. Uh, There's another bill uh, besides this one about giving them illegal aliens drive cards. But, uh, you know, that's part of this. But the main issue to me was uh, granting in-state tuition to illegal aliens. And, you know, we really don't want to incentivize illegal aliens. We don't want to give them any breaks, any allowances, uh, any advantages. We don't want to give them access to our public programs. And, of course, we don't want to give them in-state tuition. We should want to discourage them. Uh, They are lawbreakers. They entered the country illegally. Um, I will tell you that in my practice as a uh, ear, nose, and throat surgeon, you know, I, I see patients every day. And we have a fair number of Hispanics, and uh, I don't know their immigration status, but presumably some of them are illegal. It, it would not make sense that none of them are here illegally, given the millions that are pouring over our borders and have been for many years, but especially since Biden. So uh, without knowing their immigration status, whatever that would be, if it's 30% or 50%, I can tell you that virtually all of my Hispanic patients are on Medicaid. And if they're on Medicaid, they're on every other welfare program. Food stamps and aid for dependent children and other forms of welfare, um, heating subsidies, rent subsidies, and I'm sure there's many others as well. And so, you know, any of these uh, immigrants, whatever that their status is, legal or illegal, you know, by definition, they're the opposite of what kind of immigrant we want. How does it make sense for a country to let in uh, immigrants and upon entering the country, one of the first things they do is to access our public programs. That, to me, it seems would, by by definition, be exactly the kind of person you don't want uh, entering your country. You know, unless you're a Democrat and you have certain incentives, but let us take that up a little later. Um, So, you know, we have then uh, in a red state like Indiana with uh, 
Republican supermajorities in both chambers, House and Senate, and then they have the governor is a Republican, uh, ostensibly. Uh, of course, that's Governor Holcomb, and he truly is the ultimate rhino and truly a disgrace. Uh, but that is another issue. Uh, at least we can say that we have the trifecta. We have both. Uh, we have all three uh, parts of the government, and, uh, and we have supermajorities. And so how does it make sense that in this super, uh, super in this uh, very red state uh, that we have uh, bills being pushed that incentivize illegal aliens? Uh, you know, we really want to disincentivize them. We, we don't want them. We really don't want them. Uh, you know, there may be just... To expand on that a bit, you know, they cost the government. Uh, they cost the taxpayer. Uh, they are a burden, okay, because, yeah, there may be one, you know, maybe the father uh, who is working uh, perhaps on the books, perhaps paying some taxes, perhaps working off the books. But, and, and you know, the corporatists and the uh, Chamber of Commerce Republicans and, and of course, the Democrats will uh, speak about how, you know, they want to come here to work. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, what about their wife or their girlfriend and their children? Well, they're not working. You know, they have to be educated, which is very expensive. And as I said, they're all on the various welfare programs, beginning with Medicaid. So, you know, they are costly. Yes, there may be that one individual that wants to work and, and may be working on the books or off the books, but most likely the entire family uh, is dependent in some way on the taxpayer. And so they're very costly. Uh, they, you know, on a national level, they cost, uh, you know, I've seen estimates of, uh, more than a hundred billion dollars, and you know I would see no reason to to doubt that. You know, generally they're very poorly educated. You know, the illegal aliens coming. You know, most of these countries forget about like completing high school. You know, you're lucky if they have completed uh, the sixth grade. You know, maybe the eighth grade. That's about it. They do not speak English. Uh, they have no assets, and they generally have no skills. So they're impoverished, non-English speaking um, immigrants that are coming. Uh, and of course, they're a burden. And then when you get to the, the family uh, that may accompany them, or you know, maybe they get married here, who knows, um, you know, they have children. And of course, you know, we have this ridiculous policy in America of birthright citizenship, which to me is utterly unconstitutional and should be thrown out. But don't expect your Republican Party to do a thing about that. They obviously would never have the guts 
to take that issue on, but uh, there is no birthright citizenship. I mean, think of all the diplomats that come to America. Uh, and, you know, maybe, you know, they come husband and wife, whatever it is, and they have a baby. You know, they're diplomats, uh, for example, uh, from whatever country. Is that baby an American citizen? Well, of course not. They're not American. You know, so, you know, it does not apply to diplomats. Uh, and it should not, uh, who enter the country legally, by the way, and, and are on the books and, and all the rest, it obviously should in no way apply to illegal aliens. Or you think about um, businesses or corporations from abroad that come here and do business. And, you know, maybe it's a husband and a wife, or maybe it's just the wife that's here and uh, she gives birth is that child an American citizen? Well, of course not. Uh, and they would not expect that. Uh, you know, such people would want to be uh, citizens, want their children to be citizens of their country. Uh, and so we can you know, go into that further. But the, the point is, is that in terms of illegal aliens, unfortunately, we do have this um, approach of birthright citizenship. Uh, and so then you're really in trouble because then their kids are American citizens and they're allowed all of the privileges and benefits of American citizenship. But they shouldn't be American citizens. Uh, they, their parents entered the country illegally. They are citizens of another country uh, that other country has jurisdiction over them, and, and of course, they should not be given American citizenship. Uh, but the main point, though, is that I saw this um, article in Breitbart, and uh, I sent uh, an email to three of state legislators that I am familiar with two are my representatives, one in the House and one in the Senate. Uh, his name is Mark Mesmer. Uh, and then I know Jim, Jim Toms, who's uh, from the Evansville area. But anyway, I got, uh, I, I sent an email to Mark Mesmer, a state senator, Indiana, and I said, this is a disgrace. We must vote it down uh, and reject it. Uh, well, I got back a, a rather frosty reply in which he you know, did not say hello, Rick, or any. He, was, he appeared angry, if you can tell that from an email, but I, I certainly had the sense that it was a somewhat angry email in which he said an email back in response to my original email calling this bill a disgrace. Uh, and, you know, he went on with the usual talking points that you would expect from a corporate shill, uh, a standard issue Chamber of Commerce Republican, uh, in which he defended the idea that, uh, you know, they're going to be here if 
if we don't educate them, you know, they're going to go on welfare. Well, Mark, they're on welfare already. Don't worry. Okay? So, you know, there's no argument there. Um, and, you know, we had, and, and then he closed saying, you know, we have to teach them English and, you know, and all the rest. I said, well, no, you don't have to do anything. Uh, you don't have to teach them anything. You don't have to give them any benefits. You don't have to give them in-state tuition. You, you actually don't have to do a thing. But if you want to do something, you should disincentivize them. You should make them not want to come to the state of Indiana. Uh, I don't care about the corporations and the farmers and you know the large agricultural concerns and, and so forth. Um, you know, hire an American, uh, or you know, at best a a legal immigrant. Although that's another story. I believe we have too much legal immigration to this country. I, I would want a complete moratorium on all immigration for ten years. Obviously, all illegal uh, zero uh, is the right number there, uh, but. In terms of legal immigration, I, I'd want a complete moratorium uh, on all legal immigration other than, you know, Schultz and Nietzsche level dissidents, uh, real reformers perhaps, and, you know, Nobel Prize level talent. Okay, you know, we could certainly, you know, somebody who's got some great new ideas is a, a genius uh, has an incredible business, brings assets. Yeah, okay, we'll make an exception for that. But by and large, zero immigration is is my preference. But as far as illegal aliens in Indiana or any red state, what you should do is uh, disincentivize them. They have the option of moving to a blue state uh, and and they're going nuts too, by the way. Uh, okay, uh, they realize uh, that they're getting screwed by their great leader in Washington, Biden, and his immigrant Mayorkas, and their ridiculous open borders immigration policy. But okay, that that's that's their problem. Uh, they can return to their own country. They have that option. They they got as far as Indiana. Well, what the heck? They can go back to Mexico or Guatemala or El Salvador or Honduras or wherever they came from. Um, you know, if they want, they can try to apply to enter the country legally. Uh, they have that option. We have no uh, obligation to them at all. Our obligation is to take care of American citizens. And that's it. And no obligations at all to illegal aliens. You know, obviously they have an emergency. You know, we, you know, we are a moral country. You know, we take care of them. You know, if there's some medical emergency or if they have an accident, whatever it might be. Yes, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, in general, we have no obligation. They are citizens of another country who entered our country illegally. And so we have no obligation to them. Now, we know that many illegal aliens commit all sorts of crimes. 
including murder and rape and violent assault and identity theft. Um, They are heavy-duty drug peddlers. They are the drug mules of the cartels that are bringing in fentanyl that is killing Americans, you know, upwards of 100,000 a year. All of that brought in by these drug gangs from Mexico uh, and Central America. My friends, we have no obligation to illegal aliens other than to do everything we can to get them out of our state. Well, I had a a few more uh, emails that I sent, but always politely to my uh, friend, or used to be my friend, uh, Senator, State Senator Mark Mesmer. Um, I encouraged him to reconsider and to vote against it uh, and to uh, do everything he can to disincentivize them, not incentivize them. Uh, We don't want to normalize them. We don't want them to feel it's okay what they did. Uh, It's not okay. And they need to leave the state. So this whole bill about granting them uh, the, uh, you know, giving them in-state tuition is obviously misguided. Um, You know, think about an American citizen from any other state in the Union. Uh, They would have to pay out-of-state tuition if they went to Indiana University, which is about double the cost. That's out-of-state tuition. But here's an illegal alien who entered the country illegally, and they get uh, the same as uh, residents of Indiana. Uh, So how does that make sense? Well, obviously, it does not make sense at all. Um, I spoke with another state senator, uh, Jim Toms, uh, a good friend of mine, and he actually uh, he felt very strongly. He was very because I sent him the same email about this article I had seen in Breitbart. You know that Indiana is looking to give in-state tu- in-state tuition. He responded to me. He called me, and he said, uh, you know, he's very upset about the bill. He told the other Republicans that appeared to be supporters of the bill, you know, these would be our rhinos, our Chamber of Commerce, uh, rhino Republicans, uh, corporate shills, doing the bidding of their corporate sponsors. And uh, he told them that he would vote against it. Uh, He actually informed me, because, you know, the the story, uh, you know, the, the plot is thickening here. He, I didn't realize this. He told me that uh, State Senator Mark Mesmer was, has his name on the bill. In other words, he's a sponsor of the bill. So, I mean, it's worse than I even imagined. So he, not only was he upset with my email, well, he's promoting the bill. He's, he's got his name on it. Um, you know, I've been, you know, we live in the same town. You know, we had kids that 
were of the similar age and they were on the marching band. I, you know, we go back a long ways. Uh, you know, I sought his advice when I uh, began my campaign efforts. I, I ran for state rep and Congress twice in the past. And, you know, he was very helpful. He gave me a lot of ideas. And uh, so I certainly have always considered him a friend and, uh, and I sought his counsel. Uh, one interesting story is that um, in 2010, the Tea Party year, I was thinking about running for office and I spoke to him. Uh, he had one state rep, I think the uh, election before 2008. And, uh, you know, things were looking good in the Tea Party year. And I thought, you know, this is a great time for me to get on. And, uh, you know, I just had concerns. I'm in private practice. I have four kids. They're all at home. Uh, you know, they're pretty young. And so I just didn't know how I would swing that. Plus, I was a solo practitioner. I mean, I, well, I, uh, you know, Mike Pence was a congressman, you know, a well-known conservative Indiana congressman. And I uh, wondered if I could speak to him. And I mentioned that to Mark. And, uh, you know, about a week later, I got a phone call. And sure enough, it was uh, Mike Pence. And uh, we actually had a great conversation. Uh, this is a story in my book, uh, about uh, the empire of Unix, that's maybe something I'll talk about later, how the Republican Party betrayed America, but that for another day. So in other words, though, Mark and I go back quite a ways politically, and he arranged this very nice phone call from Mike Pence, uh, and we had a great conversation, I should say, by the way. Uh, and again, this was before he became vice president. He was just a conservative um, congressman and he eventually uh, became our governor and then the vice president and then we kind of know the rest January 6th the whole thing but that's another another story um, basically we need to end illegal immigration completely uh, red states are really not as red as you think uh, you know, we think that we have a rhino problem uh, of just awful Republicans at the federal level, and we certainly do, state, uh, excuse me, uh, Congress and Senate. Uh, you know, like McConnell, uh, you know, a prototypic example of just an awful rhino, uh, worthless. Uh, I, I generally say that the best way to think about them is that they're really just Democrats. Forget the whole Republican nonsense. They're Democrats, and they, they think like Democrats. They are not rock-rib, conservative America firsters at all. Um, but what's important to realize is that we have them at the state level, and you know, for all I know, maybe at the county level, but um, you know, we, I'd have to look at that a little bit more. But certainly at the state level, we have a, a the same rhino problem. Uh, you know, Republicans that are just really awful. They are not conservative. 
they are not a fighting opposition party. Uh, and in this case, they're not an opposition party. They are the party in power. So we have the rhino problem at all levels is the point. And as the country fractures, you know, more and more, and, you know, the divisions deepen, it'll fall to the states to save us, the red states. And if you find out that your red states are just about as bad as the blue states, and, and certainly you know, most of them were terrible on COVID. They, you know, went with, you know, the whole lockdown, shutdown, nonsense, the, the vaccine mask mandates, the social distancing garbage, um, closing our schools, you know, harming our children. They were on board for all that. So, you know, we can discuss COVID at another time, but it's my main point today is about how weak our red states are. So it's a rhino problem at all levels. And we will need the states to be bulwarks of the Constitution, of traditional values, of the, uh, the Judeo-Christian uh, moral and ethical system that is the foundation of the country. We're going to need the states. I mean, at a certain point, the country may divide may fracture, you know, red states and blue states. Uh, it'll be infinitely more complex than the Civil War where it, it was sort of divided geographically and it was, uh, you know, the South and, and the North. But uh, here it's far more com complex. But at the minimum, we will need our red states to be sanctuaries of America, sanctuaries of Americanism, uh, again, of the Constitution, of the, of the founders' vision of limited government, of uh, the Judeo-Christian uh, uh, tradition, um, all of the things, you know, free markets, uh, lim uh, liberty, uh, small government, um, private property, low taxes, low, re low regulations, all of these things that are part and parcel of the American vision of the founder's vision, well, it may finally fall to the states to defend. Uh, and if you find that your red state is a empty uh, vessel, a, an empty uh, husk of, of a conservative state, uh, not conservative really at all, uh, then where are we going to go? <laughs> we can't all live in Florida. And DeSantis can't be our governor forever. So uh, we need to watch the red states. And uh, incredible disappointment to see this kind of a bill and coming and being sponsored from somebody who I thought was by and large a pretty rock-ribbed uh, Republican. Well, I was wrong. Uh, the policies at the border uh, obviously end catch and release reinstate remain in Mexico, um, reinforce the border, build the wall. Uh, also the concept of first state, uh, first safe country. 
you know, this idea that you can pick, that you're claiming asylum, which, which is a fraud. They're not uh, victims of persecution. You know, refugee asylum, just to touch on that briefly, is based on being part of a minority of some sort uh, within a, a nation that is being specifically persecuted and targeted. It's not just because you're poor. I mean, we'd have to let the whole world in. If uh, poverty was the basis and, you know, you, you, lack of opportunity in your country and uh, a poor standard of living, well, you know, you'd have to let in more than a billion people, maybe, you know, two-thirds of the country. Obviously uh, absurd. And so, you know, they are what they are. They are economic migrants. They are not refugees. Uh, and so the doctrine of first safe country, you don't get to pick and choose, which, you know, go to the country with the most generous welfare benefits. That, that's not the way it goes. If you're a persecuted minority, you're truly a refugee seeking asylum, you know, like the Jews of Europe that, Roosevelt did not allow into our country. But let's say the Jews, uh, you know, during uh, you know, Hitler's time, clearly a persecuted uh, minority. Uh, that, I think, is reasonable to allow in. Uh, to, you know, they have to demonstrate it and prove it. Uh, but all of these people coming in, none of them are refugees. That's a joke. That's a total fraud. Um, so it has to be uh, the first safe country uh, doctrine. So yeah, if you're really persecuted and you're from Guatemala and you cross into Mexico, well, that's it. That's your first, you, know, you don't get to keep uh, moving north, okay? You're an economic uh, migrant, and, and that's it. Uh, you're not a refugee seeking asylum. So that's a bunch of horse crap that should be tossed out. Uh, all of these various, you know, religious organizations, Catholic relief services, and there's a, a Jewish, or, you know, all of the religious organizations that make money uh, in the the refugee industrial uh complex, uh, you know, coach them, as does Mexico, as do Mexican consulates throughout, you know, the country and, and uh, south of the border, you know, in terms of Central America. They coach them on, on what to say when they cross into the country. Look, let's, we're going to end it here. Uh, we've gone on enough. I mean, the whole issue of Illegal immigration obviously is a major issue. We'll get to it at a later time, and you know it's something that deserves a lot of attention. Mainly, I wanted to tell this little story of how uh, somebody I had assumed to be a conservative was not, at least not on the issue of immigration. You know, it's terrible. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's because of the corporate sponsors that, uh, you know, are big in our town. Uh, and uh, I suspect very strongly favor 
the influx of illegal aliens so that they can put them to work. You know, the old cheap labor idea, uh, if that's what's motivating him. Uh, but you have a, we all have a rhino problem at every level. Uh, open borders, chamber of commerce, corporate shill, rhinos. Uh, they are as bad as Democrats. All right, my friends, we'll, we'll end it here. Um, every now and then I'll try to do more medical because, you know, partly it's uh, my perspective as a doctor, my experience in private practice and so forth, uh, especially with issues relating to COVID. But anyway, we didn't do that today. Uh, it is Medicine and Politics, High Crimes Podcast, Medicine and Politics. So today was political. The um, Check out my website at richardmossmd.com, richardmossmd.com. Two books I would like to recommend that I've written, A Surgeon's Odyssey, about my work as a volunteer surgeon overseas. I did cancer surgery for three years in Thailand, Nepal, India, and Bangladesh. Getting a new edition out soon, and uh, I think you would enjoy that. And then Matilda's Triumph, about my beloved mother who raised five boys as a single mom in the Bronx. And a lot of good stories there. Okay, my friends, thank you. We'll catch you next time.